Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we're diving into a study of step number three in the 12 steps and 12 traditions of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We, today we are on page 31, and we're in part two of step three. And in the first part of step three, we focused a lot on the idea, the concept of willingness. And at the end, I like to equate willingness to readiness, you know, willing and ready. And how we can tell that we're willing and ready is that we're able to step past all these things that block us, our preconceived notions of God and religion and whether there's no religion at all, our certainty that our position is right. These things block us. And even though we might have certain feelings and thoughts about this subject, we're going to do this in spite of those, but in concert with them. We don't want to deny those thoughts. I mean, after all, they're a product of our experience. We may very well believe them. We want to do this anyway. And so I provided an analogy about putting a key in the car and the key of willingness. You turn the car on and it moves all these parts and it hurdles you down the road in a way you can't do yourself, that it transcends generations of incredibly smart people. All the continents of the world contribute to it so that you can get to this point that you want to go to. The car will do for you what you can't do for yourself if you're willing to do just a little bit of work. And that over time, you'll be more comfortable with it. When we're all new to driving, going fast is so scary. And it's not long that our comfort level gets very high. With, with comfort comes capacity. And that's also true of faith life. We're trying to get a faith that works. And here's the path. So we're going to go a little bit more into willingness with a story today that Bill provided us uh, about World War II. So it starts off here on page 31. When World War II broke out, this spiritual principle had its first major test. AAs entered the services and were scattered all over the world. Would they be able to take discipline, stand up under fire, and endure the monotony and misery of war? Would the kind of dependence they had learned in AA carry them through? Well, it did. They had even fewer alcoholic lapses or emotional binges than AA Safe and Home did. They were just as capable of endurance and valor as any other soldiers. Whether in Alaska or on the Salerno beachhead, their dependence upon a higher power worked. And far from being a weakness, this dependence was their chief source of strength. So one of the ideas in part one is that our dependence on this higher power delivers to us true independence in life, that we free ourselves from the results business. We free ourselves from our preconceived notions and previous experiences. We free ourselves through faith in the higher power by listening to and doing as the higher power would have us do, as is outlined in the third step prayer. We achieve true independence and our chief source of strength. So how exactly can the willing person continue to turn his will and his life over to the higher power? And here's our transition. We've got willingness down. There's an assumption now we're willing. Okay, I don't like it. I believe this, or I think that, or I grew up this way, whatever, whatever. Let's check this thing out. It says, he made a beginning, we have seen, when he commenced to rely upon AA for the solution of his alcohol problem. By now, though, the chances are that he has become convinced that he has more problems than alcohol. What? I just got to quit drinking, right? Nope. 
and that some of these refuse to be solved by all the sheer personal determination and courage he can muster. They simply will not budge. They make him desperately unhappy and threaten his newfound sobriety. <laughs> Our friend is still victimized by remorse and guilt when he thinks of yesterday. Bitterness still overpowers him when he broods upon those he still envies or hates. His financial insecurity worries him sick, and panic takes over when he thinks of all the bridges to safety that alcohol burned behind him. And how shall he ever straighten out that awful jam that cost him the affection of his family and separated him from them? His lone courage and unaided will cannot do it. So I really want the results of AA, right? I really want the things I see in other people. I've attacked the alcohol problem with this higher power idea by diving into AA, going to the meetings, doing a little bit of service work, learning from others, getting a sponsor. And here I am towards the backside of step three. And I'm waking up that I have a ton of problems. There's all sorts of things wrong in my life. What am I going to do about these? I mean, seriously, am I supposed to just not do anything? Is it passivity? Do I become apathetic? Complacent? What is this turning uh, my finance, finances over to the higher power? How do I turn over my relationships? How do I do such a crazy thing? Anyway, it goes on. Surely he must now depend upon somebody or something else. It's going to suggest that's exactly what we do. And it goes on. At first, that somebody is likely to be his closest AA friend. However, there's a caveat to that. And we're going to get into it. But our idea that principles, the principle that the higher power has, the principles of the 12 steps come ahead of personalities, my opinions that you hear on this show or anybody else's opinion, the principle comes ahead of the personality. He relies upon the assurance that his many troubles, now made more acute because he cannot use alcohol to kill the pain, can be solved too. Of course, the sponsor points out that our friend's life is still unmanageable even though he is sober. That after all, only a bare start on AA's program has been made. So you got a ways to go. You're going to be okay. More sobriety brought about by the omission of alcoholism and by attendance at a few meetings is very good indeed. But it is bound to be a far cry from permanent sobriety and a contented, useful life. That is just where the remaining steps of the AA program come in. So important. That's what we're going for. A contented, useful life. Content, calm, relaxed, confident, contented, useful. That I have a purpose. That I have significance. That I have security. That I'm satisfied. That is just where the remaining steps of the AA program come in. So important to know that. We're going to move forward. Do not give up here. If you've come into the idea of the higher power and there's just all sorts of stuff rolling around your head, continue to focus on moving forward with the steps. No, you didn't write the steps. No, you don't organize the meetings. No, you didn't bring your sponsor into AA. Know these things so you can see that something greater than you is working outside of you. Begin to see the idea of God or something greater than you is orchestrating this world. And it really doesn't need you in it, in a way. There's a way it does need you in it. You are a part of this. And we want to get to that part and become harmonious with it. 
And that's when you'll experience that contented, useful life. But you're not there yet if you're only working through step three right now. And when step three starts to work through you, as you round the corner at step seven, because that's your hopeful sign in the future. It's step seven. That's where this is going to start to happen. And as you get into step 10, you're going to know it happened. It's amazing. The journey is amazing. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. So it goes on. Nothing short of continuous action upon these as a way of life can bring the much desired result. And that's what we're after. Then it is explained that other steps of the AA program can be practiced with success only when step three is given a determined and persistent trial. Determined, meaning you made a decision, you determined, you decided that you are going to rely on the higher power, on God, that you are going to rely on God. Yes. And the other one is persistent. Persistent means that you're going to stay in it in spite of adversity. You're going to stay in it in spite of doubts. You're going to stay on this no matter what happens, regardless of the circumstances. Even if you're in war is the example given. Even if you're in the misery of war as the example given, perhaps that'll even make you stronger, that you're going to persist and continue beyond the usual time on this step. This statement may surprise newcomers who have experienced nothing but constant deflation and growing conviction that human will is of no value whatever. They've become persuaded means they've argued with themselves. Persuasion is the art of convincing somebody through argument to cause somebody to do something through arguing. They have become persuaded and rightly so that many problems besides alcohol will not yield to a headlong assault powered by the individual alone. But now it appears that there are certain things which only the individual can do all by himself and in the light of his own circumstances. He needs to develop the quality of uh, willingness. There it is again. Willingness. It's the only thing necessary. It's your vital core spiritual principle that opens the door to everything else. When he acquires willingness, when you acquire willingness, when I decide to leverage willingness. He is the only one who can make the decision, the determination to exert himself. Trying to do this is an act of his own will. All of the 12 steps require sustained, sustained. It means when we think about sustain, that we're going to provide what the step requires. We sustain it. When you are sustained in life, it's because you have the food and the relationships to sustain your life. So we're going to bring to the steps what is required of us. It comes through us. The steps work in us, right? So all of the 12 steps require sustained, which means you are going to put into it what it requires. You are going to sustain and personal exertion and give it the physical and mental effort to conform to their principles. And so we trust to God's will. What that's saying to us is we are going to do the work and because we do the work, we will get the result. It is when we try to make our will conform to God's that we begin to use it rightly. How do I know what that is? So we end up with this uh, sort of a paradox, right? If I use my will to do God's will, isn't that really still my will? Because it's my will is God's will. How? How do I figure that out, right? My will is God's will and God's will is my will. 
So when they're in harmony, and that means we develop a mindset where we're going to carry love into the world, patience, kindliness, tolerance. We're going to take our character defects and later steps and put them away. We're going to learn how to amend relationships and circumstances to make them right. We're going to understand resentment and anger and how it can kill us. We're going to learn how to live a productive life and be useful parts of our world. That's what it means. And when we become in harmony with God's will, this becomes not confusing. But when I'm resisting God's will and I have my opinions, my certainty, my way of doing things, I have my AA, I do my program the way I want to. When I approach this this way, I'm going to constantly bump into a difficult position. And that is the idea that I can take God's will back, right? And I really can't. All I do is resist God's will. God's will is going to happen. The analogy you hear a lot of times is swimming upstream or flowing with the river. The river is God's will, and it's going to go anyway. It doesn't matter if you're trying to swim upstream. The river just makes it hard to do. That's all. When you get in harmony with that river, it'll move you many miles with very little effort and float you down. You might need a tool. You might need a tool, and that tool might be a raft or a canoe or something like that, a stick to float on, who knows? In any case, it will make it easier. And the effort of the river, the energy of the river, the force of the river, the nature of the river, the way you conceive of the river, whatever name you give the river, whatever you want to call the river, however you might describe the river, it will still take you on down the river if you will stop resisting it. But the will of the river will always exist. And it doesn't make any difference other than when you resist it, you find trouble. There's a great concept out there saying the oceans are never filled by the rivers. All the rivers flow into the oceans and the oceans, well, they never get full. And in that same idea, there's just a relentless amount of God's will going on. Are you going to put yourself in harmony with it? Or are you going to resist it? So we go back to it. It is when we try to make our will conform to God's that we begin to use it rightly. So to quit resisting that river. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation. Here's something very important. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention for us. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps. Once again, to make this increasingly possible, it keeps getting better. You'll hear that over and over again. The longer I'm around, the better it gets. The more comfort I get with the tools, the spiritual toolkit of the steps, the more capacity I gain to use them. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps. And step three, opens the door with the key of willingness. Once we have come into agreement with these ideas, it is really easy to begin the practice of step three. In all times of emotional disturbance or indecision, we can pause, ask for quiet, and in the stillness simply say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. And so in step three in the 12 and 12, it's a really simple idea. 
And it ends with, once I quit resisting this, or when I finally come into agreement with this, once we have come into agreement with these ideas, it is really easy. It's really easy. Quit resisting. Quit trying to go upstream. Just float with this. What we've done in the past often hasn't worked. So if you've been court-ordered or something like that, if you're here under the pressure of a loved one, keep in mind, getting a better life is good for everyone. And building a spiritual life seems to be a fantastic way of life for every single person that does it. Why resist? (laughs) Why resist? So I think that's our topic for today. How do we come into agreement with these ideas? It'd be great to hear from old timers and newcomers alike. Where are you at with that agreement? Are you still tossing around theology and religion in your mind? Are you offended by some of the religiously derived words that show up here like faith? Or are you just saying, you know, the heck with it? The heck with it. I'm just going to do what this thing says to do. And if you've arrived at that point, this is definitely going to work because it's a principle. It's a principle. It's the God idea. It might not be the God you knew growing up that you walk away with here today. But there is a power greater than ourselves, a power, and you're seeking it. And by whatever means you come at it, whatever your experience it is, whatever pathway you may travel, you can get there. And these steps will take you there. I strongly encourage anyone in AA, anyone in the world that wants to use the 12 steps to build a spiritual life, to wrap your hands all the way around this. Embrace it, cling to it, because it is through this doorway of step three, through the key of willingness, that you can practice all the rest of this and come away a truly independent person. I hope you have a great discussion.